the Bible Study Podcast, episode 213. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Daniel with chapter 2. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As we said last week, we're starting a study of Daniel, or at least the first part of the book of Daniel, and you'll see why we may skip around some in the second half of the book. But we're continuing on today with chapter 2. You may remember last week, King Nebuchadnezzar conquers the southern kingdom of Judah. He brings some of the young men into his service, and among them are Daniel, his Hebrew name, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their Babylonian names. And Daniel 2 starts this way. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream that troubles me and I want to know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you are trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then, tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, There is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of a magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. So, This is an interesting story because Nebuchadnezzar here has done indeed what no other king has done before him, and he has put before his wise men, before his magicians, his astrologers, this very difficult task of, I don't just want to hear your interpretation of the dream. I want you to tell me the dream without me revealing it to you so that I know you do in fact have special insight because you could make up anything you like to tell me, and I wouldn't be able to tell it's true, this will be the proof that you can also tell me what the dream is. Nebuchadnezzar is a wise king, and the problem here is that people have been getting away with making up the interpretation of dreams for some time, and they have no special insight. They don't have at least the insight to tell the king the dream. As far as they can tell, this is impossible for anyone here on earth. And they say it's only possible for the gods. And Nebuchadnezzar is sort of realizing at this point that all of those wise men who've been telling him all these things for so long have been scamming him. 
or at least that's what he is feeling right now. So he is going to do away with them and maybe maybe not get a new crop of wise men. But basically at this point, Daniel and his friends who aren't even in the room are sentenced to death, as are all the wise men of Babylon. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what was asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Daniel agrees with the wise men that none on earth can tell the king his dream. But Daniel doesn't let it stop there. Daniel knows that he serves the living God. And so he and his friends pray that God will reveal it because God does know dreams, because God does know interpretation of dreams, and because God had already given Daniel some interpretation of dreams, you may remember from the last chapter. And so it wasn't completely ridiculous that Daniel would think that maybe it would happen again. Certainly they were hoping it would happen again. Uh, They were definitely praying that it would happen again. And so he is given the king's dream and the interpretation. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Now, note at this point, he could have said, Do not execute me and my three friends, but he does spare the life of all of the wise men of Babylon, or at least his actions are about to spare the life of all the wise men of Babylon. Now, some of these wise men may be wise in other ways. They may not just be an interpreter of dreams, and they may be quite useful to have around. Or maybe Daniel is just being merciful. But Daniel, at this point, has their lives in his hand as well. Ariok took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah, who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, No wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner, can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind." 
So Daniel says, you were given a dream, you were given a glimpse of the future by the one who can reveal these things. You were given a glimpse of the future by God, and there was a purpose to you being given this, and that same purpose then is why I was given the interpretation. He says, I'm not greater than anybody else. I can't do this either, but God deserves the glory for this. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on the threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything, and as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw, the feet and the toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom, yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw the iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it itself will endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Now, certainly there has been a lot of speculation, as you might imagine, what these four kingdoms would be. Gold clearly being Babylon, because the king is told that. Silver, bronze, iron, and then iron baked with clay. Probably the most readily acceptable if you look at what kingdoms on earth will have influence on God's people in Israel. There are, in order, the Babylonians who have just taken them into captivity, the Persians who return them from captivity, the kingdom that started by Alexander the Great, the Greek kingdom and the Hellenization, and then the kingdom of the Romans. And it is in the time of the kingdom of the Romans, that kingdom of iron, that Jesus is sent and that God sets up an eternal kingdom. And certainly eventually Christianity actually becomes more powerful than the kingdom of Rome. That is at least the most common interpretation, the one that I choose to use and seems to make sense with the historical facts. 
And then the story continues. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him a ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Now, you would think at this point that everything is going to end very well for Daniel or go very smoothly from this point, and certainly his biggest advocates have got to be those people who he just saved their lives, the wise men of Babylon. And yet we'll see it's entirely false because that is where Daniel next runs into problems. And we'll continue that with next week's Bible study podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Our world can feel chaotic and uncertain, but we don't have to live enslaved to fear. Christ has promised me and you his peace, and throughout Scripture has provided powerful tools and practical steps to help us experience greater freedom. I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, inviting you to join me and my team as together we learn how to starve our fears and feed our faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com or wherever you access podcast content.